Right, here we go. Welcome to this episode of Cyber Heroes Live. In today's session, we're going to talk about what zero trust is, what it isn't, and really importantly, why it matters, and five steps that can help you implement it into your business. Okay, I'm your co-host, Matt, and together with Brad, we're glad that you're here. With that said, Brad, let's kick off with understanding what zero trust is and why it's important. If we say zero trust to staff, the first thing they're going to go is, you don't trust me. That's where we've got to get it right and set that culture around the fact that zero trust is, we have zero trust for the cyber criminals that are trying to get into our network. And it assumes that every person, every device, every application, and anything that can access your network is a potential threat. Now, you might say that, well, I trust all my staff. What are you talking about there? Well, okay, you're sure everyone trusts their staff, but giving people the least amount of access to things and all that sort of stuff is, and, and also with your network and the way it's formed and how your um, managed service provider sets that up is, is really, really important. It's not a single technology or product, and that's really important to understand. We've actually got five tips that we'd actually like to go through with that. And I guess I'd like to start off with the first one, and that is identifying critical assets and sensitive data. What's a critical asset? A critical asset could be a recipe for the product that you're selling. It could be documentation around how your product works or information that is sensitive to your business. You have to look at that information and say, how can I best protect that? And that could come in the form of network access to it, setting up permissions that only the people that need to get to it. So that's the, the zero trust part of it. So if there's only two staff in your organisation that needs to get to that information, be it HR information or financial information, well, they're the only two staff that have access. That's where zero trust comes in and building user access registers around that so you understand who has access to those critical assets and sensitive data. That's step one. Yeah, thanks, Brad. And I think a really good example, actually, if you think about um, us, for example, um, I, I have a key um, to get into the front door, to, to get into my office, but I don't have a key that gives me access to the service simply because I don't need access to the servers. And so it's not a, matter, it's not a case of, well, I, I don't have that key because you don't trust me in the emotional sense, let's say. It's nothing to do with that. I just don't need access to the service, so I don't have a key that gives me access to the service. I think it's a really nice example. Okay, so step two. Um, now, for uh, our regular watchers, listeners, members of the Cyber Heroes community, multi-factor authentication is not something you'll be hearing for the first time, or it's also known as two-factor authentication, or, or sorry, authentication. Um, Brad, talk us through 2FA or MFA. So, yeah, when it comes to multi-factor authentication, more and more, just today, our, our provider of, of um, the people that allow us to register websites and domains come out and said, you can now secure your account with 2FA. Of course, as a business, we're going to go and set that up because if our domain account, for instance, got compromised where we actually go and purchase all our domains, uh, a cyber criminal's got access to hundreds of domains that they can then do 
things too and change. So that's a really like a, a, a big thing for us. But anywhere, like our password apps, like one password and Bitwarden and all those can actually tell us if a product supports multi-factor authentication. So as a business, when it comes to zero trust, if you can enable multi-factor authentication on your applications, uh, that's the thing you need to do and turn it on and make sure you have backup mechanisms to get back in if something gets lost. But yeah, turn on that multi-factor authentication. So that's step two. Yeah, thanks, Brad. And uh, look, a side comment uh, regarding multi-factor authentication and 2FA. Uh, if you have um, social media accounts such as Facebook uh, and don't have 2FA turned on, make it a priority after watching this, and I'm serious, log into your Facebook account and turn on two-factor authentication. Handy hint, um, make the time to do it. All right, step three. Uh, but Brad, talk to us about the importance of segmenting your network and even what that means. So it's, it's a bit of, bit of geek talk here, segmenting networks. The whole idea of that is that um, in any business or organisation now, we have our phones, we have our computers, uh, we may have people turn up to the office as contractors, we have our servers and we have the management of all that, that um, those products. A lot of people, and this is traditional, would have one big flat network, everything's accessible on that network from the one location. When we talk about segmenting, we virtually separate technology uh, within the organisation. So our phones go onto one network, our servers go onto another network, and then we have our PCs on another and we have guests turn up they go on to another and you say, well, why would you do that? So guests, for instance, if you're going to let people into your office, most of the time all they need access to is the internet. So you give them a guest network on your Wi-Fi and it goes straight out to the internet and can get to nothing else. That's zero trust. Right? You give them network access to the internet, but they can't get to anything else on your network. And you think about all the management of your switches and your firewalls and uh, all those things within your organisation, like where you manage your servers from, having a management network for them and segmenting those so that uh, you can really restrict who can get to those is, is, is really, really important. So that's segmenting your network. And from a zero trust perspective, it allows you to use your firewall and your unified threat management to actually control who can get into those networks and from where. That's step three. Yeah, good job for uh, making a, a geeky subject understandable. Um, however, <laughs> <laughs> if you're prepared to accept the challenge, step four is about micro segmentation. So I guess we're going to be geeking out a little bit more, but um, back to you to talk us through what to, it's not just segmenting your network, but we're now talking about micro segmentation. For sure. And um, where this comes down to as well is you could have for instance, and probably the easiest way to, to explain is you could have two servers uh, on the same network because they need to communicate to each other in a, in a way. But then you could also restrict on each of those servers where they can be accessed from. That's sort of one example of micro-segmentation uh, with applications and information where any sensitive information can be protected. So another example is using things like Windows Active Directory, for instance, to say, well, everyone can get to this file server. That's where all our files are, but only two people can get to the files that are in accounts and only one person can get to the files that are in HR. That's where micro-segmentation can go a bit further and who can access those things. Say you've got a network admin or you've got your IT admin, 
they can only come from a certain location to access things. We use uh, uh, what we call realms in our VPN tunnels. So the IT provider needs to get on. They may need to access all three or four networks. But if a business employee needs to come in from home, all they need access to is the servers. So you're doing micro-segmentation for the different people that actually connect uh, to the network there. So that's step four, micro-segmentation. Thanks, Brad. And look, for, for those of you who are zoning out, because well, it doesn't really matter to me, you know, the IT team take care of it, the leadership team take care of it. It's really important to have an understanding that at least this stuff is going on. Um, and when, you're, when you don't have access to something, um, I mean, it's different if you actually need access, then of course, that's a different subject. But if you simply don't have access, um, clearly, this if nothing else is helping provide an understanding of not being offended by that is to understand the rationale behind it. So it's not personal to you. It's simply a zero trust framework being in place and ultimately working well. And so step five uh, is all to do with monitoring and responding to security incidents. Um, and Brad, if you could talk us through that. Again, it's another geeky subject, but uh, everyone's uh in businesses at one point in time when their website's been down, they can't get to it or something like that's occurred, something hasn't worked for them, they aren't able to log in somewhere. Having monitoring on all of your systems at work is not only a healthy thing for business continuity, but when it comes to cybersecurity incidents, uh, it's it's really, really important. Now, the, the key thing that they talk about these days is having an, uh, an SIEM, um, which is a security incident event management system. And there's plenty of them out there. You know, get on Google, you'll soon see them. And this is what they are, is, 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 is when, when an incident occurs or something looks like monitoring has picked up something, then uh, there's a way to respond and actually manage those security incidents. So that's step five, another geeky one, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Brad. And look, in conclusion, hopefully by now it's clear, Zero Trust is an essential security framework for small to medium businesses and, and in fact, large businesses as well. But in today's threat landscape, it's really important. And if you want to know more, if you're the business owner, business manager, team leader, and you want to know more about it, then, of course, you can always get in touch with us. Okay, it's that time when we take a look at the hottest topic in cybersecurity today. And as always, we've picked the one thing which we think will be the most interesting and relevant for you right now. So with that said, Brad, what have you got for us this time? Matt, I, I take a keen interest in understanding what's happening with um, what we call APTs or advanced persistent threats and what's actually happening. And with the tragedy that's happening in the Ukraine at the moment with Russia and the war that's going on there. It's interesting to understand that some of the things that are coming out of Russia are attacking Ukraine directly when it comes to cyber security. And believe it or not, you know, we talk most of the time about cyber criminals wanting money and wanting to extort uh, the businesses and people that, that they're attacking. In this situation, there's malware out there now, which is malware that wipes information from servers and there's several of these happening where they're coming out of Russia and they are um, targeting sort of energy companies in the energy sector for instance and and actually not interested in 
encrypting information, just interested in deleting it with the malware, which is really, really sad. Now, I say well, that you, you sort of say that's a million miles away for us in, in, in where we are here in Australia. Unfortunately, a lot of this malware, it's available to all the cyber criminals. And if, for instance, a cyber criminal could get into your network, but then they realise they can't do much or they get, you know, they think, well, this is not worth it there's the potential there for them to use these malware for ill use and start deleting information. And we often see it in political situations where um, these criminals are interested in targeting a particular business because they disagree with what they do or they're just popular or anything. And they're just getting in there to, to, to create harm. So I guess when it comes to malware, when it comes to the business, your own business, having up-to-date um, anti-malware and antivirus software is really, really important and making sure your staff are well-educated when they receive uh, phishing emails and what to do with them and making sure they don't actually open links and things like that. That's my news tip for today, Matt. Thanks, Brad. And, uh, okay, we're coming up on time. Uh, look, we create this content because at some stage everyone on the planet is likely to become a victim of cybercrime and we don't want you to be one of them. From Brad and I, thanks as always for investing your time to keep yourself safe online. We'll see you next time.